and welcome to the MLS Soccer Show. I'm your co-host, Tim Crean, and the Cal of Cal and Crean is with me again, Mike Calandrillo. Mike, how you doing? Fantastic. Glad to be back. Uh, let's do this, Tim. Excellent. We have uh, our producer, Andrew Kula, off camera right now. He will jump in with some of his uh, hot takes later, I'm sure. So, Mike, we have uh, three games that we want to uh, dive deeply into for our games of the week this week. Uh, there were some good ones on the docket this weekend. Let's start with uh, the most watched in person MLS game in history LA Galaxy 1, Charlotte FC 0. Mike, what do you think about this match? I'll get to the record-setting numbers in a moment, but uh, this game could have easily been 5 nothing to the Galaxy, but instead, LA managed to sweat it out against the expansion side. Um, they really did look overwhelmed for about 80 of the 90 complete minutes. Uh, Chicharito, who we we're, we talk about profusely, we're big fans of, um, should have had a hat trick, but he missed on six attempts. Um, the final fish, it just eluded him over and over again, and I really believe because uh, the link-up play with Kevin Cabral was... How do you say atrocious? It was really bad. The total team expected goals. It wasn't even close. LA was 1.9 to Charlotte's 0. 0.6. Um, absolutely just terrible. We, we went over the fact that Charlotte just, uh, their roster construction is just not there. Um, they did get their their Polish striker back, Karol Sobierski, who finally got his, uh, his work visa international paperwork situated. But their front line is still just trying to figure out who's who I guess maybe they need to figure out uh, their names of one another first because there are shots attempted was 21 by the galaxy six on net compared to Charlotte's five three on net in the first half alone it was 15 to one in favor of the galaxy that is absolutely terrible you've got to put the ball on net if you plan on on scoring anything let alone something because it was just a, a really one-sided um first half and, and tim i know that you're you're a big fan of uh, my man efron alvarez so um what was your takeaway from that absolute peach of a galazzo uh, in the 77th minute yeah it was incredible the uh the left-footed bomb from about 20 plus yards out fantastic he's 19 and you know, when he came on, he provided action, he provided energy, but just as important as getting him on was getting, and Mike, help me with the pronunciation here, Rayan Ravelison uh, yeah. off the field. Yeah, Ravelison. Yeah, enough. He, he was not, talked about Cabal in the hookup. He, they were not good up front. They were not good in the final third. And I thought uh, Ravelison was, uh, was a big part of that. And so getting him on was huge. He scored that massive goal and... The rest is history. They they came away with a one nothing win, and like you said, it should have been five nothing. Yeah, he he's fantastic. I love his uh his to call it cockiness. I mean, it was only his fourth MLS goal, but again, he's nineteen. He's named to the MLS team of the week. Um, and he just he just looks like a guy that can really start to own his position. And and I love what his quote after the game. He said, uh, "I just felt like silencing everyone. It was something from our group that we wanted to shut down their party, and we did. And and that's my thing. Seventy four thousand people, fantastic. You set a record. Uh, the manager who we 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 talked about last week because he's a funny guy. He uh, just." He, he shoot straight shooter. Um, he says, you know, we want the fans to come back. We want them to come back. Will they come back? Maybe, you know, maybe next week, maybe the week after. But it, again, you got to win. You got to put, you got to put, you know, goals in the back of the net. You got to put points on the board um, because it, it, this may last one season, but after a while, teams have to play well if you want to continue to charge absorbent amount of money uh, to continue to get people <laughs> right. butts in seats. And again, uh, as far as LA Galaxy is concerned, Douglas Costa looked better. Only his second MLS games, not great, but again, I'm not gonna, not gonna, you know, 
tell him that, you know, he made a mistake by coming from Brazil. Um, he did slide a nice ball to Chicharito in the 15th minute. I did it again in the 68. We talked about Chicharito, who just, you know, did, just one of those days. He just couldn't uh, couldn't find the back of the net either. Um, but overall, you know, Gokasta was a little bit over-dribbling in the traffic. He still managed to be creative, so that's what they got him for. He did leave the team with five key passes. Now, I believe that you you want to call me out on something that I spoke about last week, if I'm not yeah, mistaken. Let me let me just give Charlotte a little bit of love. Uh, their fan showed up, so that's great. And Christian Fuchs, who you slandered on last week's podcast as Charlotte's only name signing, he had an, a fantastic game. He's 35, but he, I mean, for whatever whatever the Charlotte offense was on the day, he drove the bus there. And he pushed forward from his from the spot at the back, and he pushed the pace, he put balls in. I mean, he did a, he did a good job, and he's 35. He's not going to do this every game. But when you're a MLS expansion team, this is why you sign a guy like Christian Fuchs, a guy who's a Premier League champion who won that miracle championship with uh, with Leicester City back in the day. And he's a big game player, so he's going to step up in big games. There's only so much you can do from a, you know, from a center back, left back spot, wherever he was kind of playing. But he also did a good job defensively. And and yes, Costa was, was okay. He, he had some moments, but he went up generally head to head with Fuchs and, and Fuchs did a good job kind of taking him out of the game uh, on a certain level. So just wanted to give him a little shout out because uh, yeah, most of the game was about, uh, was about the LA galaxy, but Christian yeah. Fuchs, he, he made his money uh, in that game in front of 74,000 plus. Yeah. Tim is off the walkers. I'm in bandwagon. He's on the Christian Fuchs bus, but two matches galaxy got the maximum points, six points tied at the top of the table in the West with Austin FC. We'll talk about them in a minute. Um, Austin hasn't played anyone. That's besides the point. And again, I'll say it till I'm blue in the face. Carolina blue in the face. Moral victories are great. Um, but I did read that they're actually going to close the upper sections of, of the Bank of America Stadium because they probably are not going to get 74,000 people again. Um, so it looks like they're, they'll still be able to host close to uh, 38,000 per, uh, per week, which is really good. But uh, the team is hoping for about 30,000 per. Uh, so we shall see. Um, you know, congratulations to them. Now actually win some games. Yeah, that's all right. And so speaking of winning games, uh, your club, Orlando City, uh, did not win a game. They uh, drew shockingly with the Chicago Fire. So I know that uh, before we get into the players, there's there was one more person on the pitch that you have some issue with. So why don't you go ahead and, and talk about uh, Mr. Izmir Pekmik. Yeah, the man who was obviously, I'm going to just say it, on the take. Uh, obviously, somebody got to him, whether it was the Pro Referees Association <laughs> wow. or it was Chicago, because he robbed many a person that put a bet down. Uh, uh, well, we'll talk about that in a little bit. And he robbed he robbed my team of of a clear victory. Uh, yeah, Ishmael Pekic, you took forever to look at the video, which appeared on the broadcast. If anybody was watching the game, go back to be the same exact footage that we at home were getting. Neither angle showed any clear evidence in the buildup that the Urso goal, Junior Urso, shouldn't have been allowed. You're going to tell me that you went back, looked at the monitor, and saw the ball went off of of Carrick. Uh, his Kara's arm. No way in H-E double hockey sticks, bro. That was the worst call I've ever seen. It has to be clear and obvious. Like in the NFL, like in every sport, if it's not clear and obvious, if there's any kind of possibility, maybe you leave it as is. You leave what the call was on the field. But no, you decided that it was a good time to go ahead and change it. So bad. And it continues to put VAR in a bad light. And I got into it on Twitter with a couple people. It wasn't VAR. But here's the thing. If VAR didn't exist, 
the call would have never gone to a, a look back because the call on the field was a goal. So it is still VAR, regardless of whether the man in, in the striped shirt should be put in prison. It was also the fact that it just shouldn't have happened. So VAR continues to be a dumpster fire all over the world. Thank you very much. Yeah, and that's I mean that's the that's the takeaway is VAR is a problem everywhere. There was no way that was a clear and obvious handball. It probably was a handball, to be quite honest, but there was no there was no VAR angle that showed it. So you can't take that away after calling it a goal. And you know, Mike, just to put a, a glass half full spin on it, in a in a time where no one in the world can agree on anything, pretty much everyone agrees that VAR is a failure in the, around the globe. So that's uh, that's a positive. But in seriousness, let's uh, let's get back to the game. How'd you think uh, your uh, your Orlando team played against Chicago in general? Yeah, you know, Chicago's always been tough for Orlando City. Since 2015, um, the Lions are now 4, 5, and 6. Not great. Not great in soccer. Um, that's the all-time series and just 2, 3, and 3 in Chicago since entering the MLS some seven years ago. Uh, obviously, Orlando City did have to make two changes from their previous win against Montreal. Rodrigo Schlegel, who I got a love-hate relationship with, uh, regardless, he had to come in for Robin Janssen, who was suspended. He got the two yellow cards the previous week. And Junior Urso started for Andres Perea, who was really soft uh, the previous week as well. So Urso looked good. The Bear, as they call him, was back in the middle and should have had a goal. He was robbed. Uh, Orlando City, they came out high. They were pressing. They created issues against the fire. Um, and, you know, it's funny. I talked about last week how I was so angry that it took them 20 minutes to get a shot on net. Well, they must have got my email because it only took them 14 minutes this time around. So much it's better. better. It's better. Thank you, Coach Perea. I really do appreciate that. I feel much better about myself. Um, another guy I got a love-hate relationship with is the right back, Ruan, the Brazilian. He's so dynamic. He's great at forcing turnovers, but his poor crossing infuriates me to the nth degree. Uh, multiple times he ignored runs by Torres, uh, Facundo Torres, who I know we, you talked about and you gave him some slack last week, but he's he's getting in the groove. It's going to take some time. Um, regardless, Ruan kept sending balls into areas that nobody was there. He must have expected the young Uruguayan to run into, but it didn't happen. Uh, several attempts to get balls over the top were hit too hard. And here's the thing. In a gusting wind uh, in, in Soldier Field, which is not a place that anyone should ever play soccer. Um, it just didn't work. Ron was one for five on successful crosses for 75%. That is not good from your right back, a guy who can get down the pitch. He can beat any defender off the line because he's so fast. But again, this has been a, a problem with Ron since he's come from Brazil. He just cannot pinpoint. He cannot put the ball on anybody in the box. And I'm sorry, if you can't do that, then maybe you're not... Uh, a quote-unquote right back. Maybe you need to be further up the pitch. I don't know. Maybe somewhere in the middle. But it's it doesn't necessarily work if you can't get the ball to where it needs to go. And and that had a, a direct effect on Pato, who was really taken out of play because there was no chances created for him. Yeah, so that's all true. I mean, let me take it just from the Chicago side a little bit. And now they have two, two games with no goals. And some of that blame lies on their big money signing this offseason, Jordan Shakiri. You know, he's a flashy player, and statistically, the stats are kind of flashy, too. He's created 14 shots in two games, but none has resulted in goals. Uh, some of that's on his forwards, of course, but then, you know, he's I think some of them flash over substance. And I said in the MLS preview that I really like Shakiri and stuff, but, you know, what I kind of forget is that he's the type of player is that when he's when he's not playing and he's and he's coming on as a sub and you see that little burst you're like oh man you know let's see more of that for 90 minutes and then when you see him for 90 minutes anywhere in the world you're like eh you know that's it's Jordan Shakiri he 
when he plays a lot, he when he plays a lot, he just doesn't contribute a lot. It feels like, and for all the the back heel passes and all that kind of stuff, I don't know what he added to the the Chicago attack. It reminds me of, uh, and I forget what uh, Indiana Jones this is in, but you know the Indiana Jones where the guy comes out with the sword and he does all the crazy stuff, and then Indiana oh, yeah, Jones the just takes out the gun and yeah. shoots him. That, that's Jordan Shakiri. He's the guy with the sword. Is he, It looks really flashy, but, you know, any defender with a gun just, just shoots him and, and moves on, and that's uh, how Chicago Fire is playing. So. Yeah, style over substance, for sure. I am going to give a quick shout-out to Pedro Galese. Um, he is fantastic. This is the OC keeper. He moved with, uh, to within one of Joe Bendick's regular season club record of 13 wins, uh, but Again, Bendik did this in all competitions, posting 13 shoutouts. I'm sorry, 13 shoutouts across all matches. Uh, Galese plays for the Peruvian national team, uh, led them to a World Cup. He's probably going to do it again. I am so surprised this guy who's in his 30s, early 30s, is not, um, and maybe he is, and I, we don't know yet, Great. but headed to a bigger club, to a bigger league, potentially, you know, a mid-tier, lower-tier uh, English Premier League team because he is so good, um, and Orlando City is so grateful to have him because he just, he's a rock at the back, and we talked about, it doesn't matter matter what league a goalie will get you nine to 12 points extra in 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 the season and Galese is is just key uh to what Orlando City does moving forward so um big ups to him and getting Janssen back hopefully next week with Carlos and if Ruan can figure out the um Orlando City's got a really really nice defense but they've got to still get their 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 midsection figured out um my man of the match real quick Cesar Araujo just fantastic. He was tasked with the difficulty of defending. Uh, we just talked about Shakiri, the cube in the middle. Uh, another young Uruguayan. Uh, he Look, he only had one tackle, but he, he largely worked well in either denying the ball to dangerous areas with his movement and positioning, or he forced a fire to go wide into other channels. He had 50 passes. It was the most by any non-back line player on the team, and he completed 80%, including one of his two long balls. Uh, he all day, he unlocked the defense. He passes. He attempted one shot off target and drew a team high five fouls. This is a guy that the entire league is talking about. Uh, a fantastic move uh, getting him from Montevideo. Uh, I'm really excited. He's taken the starting uh, number uh, five position from uh, Mendez, who's actually also on. Uh, he's on another World Club. Uh, Ecuador. He's on the Ecuadorian national team, and he's taking his starting spot. So this kid, Araujo, fantastic. Uh, if they can get Facundo Torres uh, getting going and Cara comes on, then, hey, it just proves that Orlando City did some fantastic work this winter. Um, and again, it's going to take some time for all these guys to find their spot, but I'm really excited about the potential of this team long haul. Yeah, and you should be. I mean, that, Facundo Torres is the key. Look, no shops for Pato is not okay. Yes, they were physical with him, but he needs to be more aggressive. They took him off, which I thought was a good move uh, towards the end there. And they, they, I think they scored the goal after he went off. And that's surprising when you have a, a world-class striker uh, out there. But, but Torres is going to be the key. I understand he's super young, and it's going to take him some time to get in the flow of the MLS and everything else. But he has the talent to dictate the game. And because no one else from Orlando, there's there's some good players, but no one else is going to take over like that. He needs to take over, uh, you know, my Man City metaphor of the day. Uh, he needs to play a little bit more like Kevin De Bruyne. He needs to control the ball in the midfield, dish it out where it needs to go, get Pato open in space. And De Bruyne is one of the best players in the world, so that's probably not quite realistic for a 21-year-old or however old Torres is. Uh, 
So Bernardo Silva might be the model, you know, a guy who can do some De Bruyne like things, but can also provide some scoring punch and, and some stuff on the wing from time to time. So that that's where I see Torres. And if he can do that, Orlando City uh, ha- has a lot of potential, like you say. Yeah, Orlando's just got to they just got to get more shots on net. I, it's always the thing with me. You're going you're gonna to hear Absolutely. it repeatedly. It was nine, five Chicago. Um, Chicago had four shots to Orlando City's none when you take away the goal that shouldn't have been. Thank you very much, Ishmael. Um, so it's going to, you know, again, the possessions was close 51 to 48. Uh, so so really, it was a tough game. Chicago's always going to play cheap. I, I asked on Twitter if it was dirty or they were just kind of, um, you know, lazy <laughs> because it, there was there was a ton of, of fouls called. I mean, it was all day, yeah. you know, uh, for whatever reason, you know, VIR was called. It wasn't called. Uh, uh, we saw Rajo get elbowed in the face, drew some blood. That was only a yellow card. And by the letter of the law on the MLS, anytime a player gets hit in the face, um, it's yeah. a red card. So, so a lot of curious decisions. But I'm glad Orlando City kind of, uh, they withstood all of that. Uh, they did fight till the very end. And again, you take a point on the road and you hope for the best when you head home against stinking Addy next week. Yeah, well, so that's a that's a good transition because let's talk about a game that went to the bitter end to uh, stoppage time plus eight minutes, I believe, to uh, to get the final goal of the match. Mike, tell us your takeaways from LAFC versus the Portland Timbers. Yeah, your other favorite player, Yimmy Chara. I mean, two weeks, two semi-bicycle matrix Keanu Reeves kicks. Um, the goal was even more impressive uh, than the one against the Revolution due to the, how little time he really had to get the shot away after Paredes deflected the ball. Uh, LAFC did well. Um, you know, they kind of took a while for them to wake up after the goal, especially the game changed for it was a slow possession-based um, approach. And then all of a sudden, that, that goal goes in and it's end-to-end. It's frantic both teams are looking to capitalize on each other's desire to push the forward uh push the board the forward ball can't talk today um carlos vela i don't know it was interesting he came to life uh for moments he drew a massive save um in the 33rd minute um he put a free kick narrow just to the crossbar four minutes later um dumb moment of the match had to go in the 62nd minute when lafc were given a huge advantage after portland defender claudio bravo no not that claudio bravo that used to play for your man city um was shown his second yellow card of the night while pulling on an attacking chicho arango right outside the 18 how dumb do you have to be so dumb. And listen, Claudio Bravo is my least favorite Manchester City player of all time. So anytime someone named Claudio Bravo screws up, it makes me smile. Uh, it was stupid. But what has, to, what has to make you upset as an LAFC fan is that they had nearly 30 minutes of a man advantage. And without Carlos Vela on the pitch, they peppered the goal with shots. But I don't know how many chances, really good, serious chances they had. And that's concerning that without your talisman there that you're not – being able to create those chances and it took them so long to score that goal being up a man. So that's, that's a little worrisome for LAFC, uh, the, for, for Portland, what are you going to do? That was a dumb play by Claudio Bravo, but people named Claudio Bravo do dumb stuff. So what are you going to do? But overall, <laughs> they do. Uh, Brian Rodriguez was fantastic. He brought a, a lot of lightning. I want to call it around the defender that, uh, they ultimately saw, um, Mamadou Fall, six foot two, nineteen year old from Senegal. We'll let you talk about him more in a minute. I know you got you know lots of praise for him as, as something I, I read that you wrote. You just wax poetic about him, but yeah, it, it was a great opportunity. Uh, it was cool to see LAFC fight to the very end. I really still think that this is a uh, this is a strong team. Um, they're gonna have to figure out what's going on with Vela. He did come out at the half. Uh, we'll talk about that in potent quotables a little bit later. But LAFC overall shot outshot the Timbers fourteen to five, six goals on net. Timbers only had three. It's a typical match against the Timbers. There were thirty three total fouls, Tim. Six yellow cards, um, a, a second half red card that we just spoke about, uh, and LAFC next week play into Miami on the weekend while the Timbers play Austin so it'll be interesting to watch the uh the Austin FC trees 
or Verde or whatever they're calling themselves these days actually play a competent team. But let's go back to Fall, a 19-year-old kid from Senegal. What more can you tell us about him? Yeah, he's a big kid. I wrote about him and the two 19-year-olds from L.A., him and Efrain Alvarez on sportscasting.com, so check that out. But he is a really promising defender. He's a solid defender. He's a big kid. But you can really see his offensive skill and what Chirundolo thinks of him because at the end of the game, he was the one pushing up from the back and, and flooding the box to try to score that late goal in desperation time. He's super dangerous from set pieces, from corner kicks. He got on like he got on the end of a couple headers during this game, which was cool to see. And then on that last play, he was basically standing on the goal line, which you almost never see from a center back. So the goal showed his footwork, his instinct, how uh, how comfortable he is on the ball, and then the celebration afterwards just showed his swagger. I think that uh, you know those two kids we saw from LA are are just going to be in, are incredible prospects, and uh, the future is bright for those two for sure. No, LA, LA Traf- El Trafico is going to be fun for many years, especially if they continue to yes. add a couple veterans with these young kids. So uh, that's a wrap on our opening statement. We are going to move to Tomas Calientes. Tomas Calientes. Which, for you non-Spanish-speaking people out there, is our hot take segment of the week. Mamma mia, that's a spicy meatball. Ole, 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 ole. Let's kick it off with my pick to win the East. If you're following us, following us on at MLS Soccer Show or ML Soccer Show on any of your social media handles, you'll know that I picked the Philadelphia Union to win the East. Tim did not. He's sticking with NYCFC. I don't know about that, Tim. But anyway, what is your hot take of the week in, in lieu of this Montreal CF, don't know what that means still, and the Philadelphia Union 2-1 to victory? Yeah, it, I watched that indoor soccer game that was kind of ridiculous with the ball bouncing all around like a, like a ping pong ball. That turf at Montreal, which I believe the Expos played on maybe back in the day, right? It, it's it's it is concrete. It, it's not MLS soccer. It's it's ridiculous. The, the ball's bouncing everywhere. You have to take it under control. And down the line, Montreal can actually use that. I know they don't play all their games there. Uh, Mike, you know more about that. But I they they that's a real home field advantage for them. Uh, because no one else knows how to play, and they took advantage on that through ball and the goal that was disallowed. But uh, they almost won the game by by really just knowing how to break up the middle there, and the ball just went too fast for the Philadelphia Union defenders, and they scored that second goal that, got, that uh, came away because of the foul. But then the other hot take here is that Montreal's second-half collapses are awful, and they're something to watch going forward. They got unlucky with the, with the goal, but they... they they choked late against uh, Orlando, and they choked late against Philly. So keep an eye on that. And uh, from a betting perspective, maybe uh, you know live betting, second half spread, that kind of stuff. Uh, keep an eye on Montreal. Yeah, I, I don't get it. Uh, you know, typically Saputo Stadium is where they play their their home games. Um, that was Olympic Stadium where the Expos haven't played since 19. I don't know what it was. It 1996. Not no, no, 99. Right the strike season, right? Yeah, yeah. That, that's when baseball yeah, went like right down the tubes in Montreal. But I just don't. Yeah, it can be a home field advantage. Absolutely, I think more teams should play in baseball stadiums. It work for NYCFC. But it's just so dumb. It's bad for the MLS. It's bad for the brand because nobody wants to watch 
a game played on concrete. Certainly nobody wants to play on it. They, you hear NFL players talking about it all the time, how it's horrible for their joints, horrible for their knees. Um, it, it's FIFA and UEFA will not even play World Cup games on turf. So that's one of the reasons why Atlanta's going to have to figure out because they're, they're Except trying women's to, games, apparently. Yeah, so. yeah, something. Yeah, they're trying <laughs> to get ridiculous. the 2026 part of the World Cup at Atlanta, yeah. and they're already saying it's not going to happen unless you re you replace all that turf with grass. So again, pick a stadium, figure out how to figure out how to use your home field advantage. I get that it's cold and it's Montreal, but it's cold and it's Montreal. Toronto plays out outside, and and they're in Canada, so uh, it, use it to your advantage. I mean, I just don't understand having two stadiums. It does it, it should not be a thing, and it should not be allowed. So that's my hot take. Otherwise, you know, figure it out or move the team. Yep, there you go. So hot take number two, Austin FC 5, Inter-Miami 1. Your, your favorite team, Mike, Inter-Miami. Tell me what you think. David Beckham is looking like the Michael Jordan of soccer management. So bad. The product on the pitch is a mess. So is the front office. I'm sorry. I have friends that work for them. I'm not talking about you guys specifically, but I'm talking about the whole of the organization. Um, I will not be surprised, and this was a poll that we posted on Twitter. Again, ML Soccer Show. Um, Phil Neville will not last five matches at this rate. He... He just cannot break the ship. He should not have left England. They got the wrong Neville brother. I'm sorry. Um, as for Austin, they've scored 10 goals in two games more than any other team in ML MLS history at the point in the season. But they're not going to be Portland. So put your money on Portland, guys. I don't know if they're going to be Portland or not. Actually, I, I have an idea because I'm going to bet on it later. But my, my thing is just to call out Austin FC. The preseason is over, fellas. You have your first real MLS game uh, next week. So uh, I'm... Reserving judgment until that happens. Next, Mike, DC United 1, FC Cincinnati 0. Again, another game at the death, the miracle in Cincinnati. Uh, or maybe it was in DC, but uh, it was a miracle that they scored uh, 10 men at the very end. Uh, my only hot take is that Cincinnati is bad. And me and you had a little friendly wager last time. You said uh, Charlotte's going to have a worse record this year. Uh, I said Cincinnati's going to have a worse record this year. And after the way the two teams played, uh, they both played a little better than expected. But uh, Cincinnati just found a way to screw it up in the end in, in a much worse way, I think, than Charlotte did. So uh, I'm feeling okay about my bet. But uh, we don't have to talk much about Cincinnati because they're no good. Uh, you have a take on the Colorado Rapids and the Atlanta United game where Colorado walked 3 nothing. Yes, Orlando City's uh, hated, hated man. I hate to say that word, but I'm saying hated. Joseph Martinez had just one shot throughout the match with an XG value of only 0.03, leaving him goalless across the opening two games of the season. He had 12 goals last season in return from a really bad knee injury. Here's my hot take. He should have gone back to Europe when he had the chance. This is a man that came from Torino, came to MLS, wanted to come to America, supposedly loves America, loves Atlanta. But you know what? Uh, this team is not going anywhere. I don't care if you even get to the playoffs. There's just It's not the team that won that title. It's never going to be. And he, whether he scores 12 goals or 15 goals, they are not going to make any type of noise like they once did. So sorry, Joseph. You should have went back when you had the chance. Yeah, and my Tomas Calientes here is why didn't Atlanta start Dom Dwyer? He came on uh, because of an injury earlier. He scored a goal. Uh, he didn't come on this match until the 71st minute, somewhere around that neighborhood. Uh, my Tomas Calientes freed Dom Dwyer. Uh, then we're going to go to the weather-soaked the weather game in uh, Nashville SC1, Minnesota United 1. Uh, Mike, what do you got here? Nashville has to get a goal scorer because while defense traditionally wins championships, constant pressure to keep clean sheets is impossible to withstand and will not last you through a playoff structure. Look, playoffs are not anywhere um, overseas, but they are here in America. That's part of what makes the MLS game great. No goals, no deep run into the playoffs. It's that simple. Yeah, and my hot take is, is 
Nashville has the most defined system in the MLS. They know what they're doing. They're sitting back. They're waiting for you to make the mistake. It was a tough. It was a tough break with the weather delay here. So I don't know how much you can take from this game. And Minnesota United is underrated. So keep that in mind as uh, as they play teams tough. But we'll uh, we'll rank some things in a little bit. And uh, Nashville might uh, show up on my list here. Uh, San San Jose Earthquakes three, Columbus Crew three. We don't have much on that. Uh, we probably shouldn't have much on this. New York Red Bulls four, Toronto FC one, but uh, you wanted to celebrate the MLS Player of the Week. Yeah, yeah I really did because he was once an Inter Miami player and they let him go because they have no idea. Lewis Morgan bagged himself a hat trick for Red Bull New York as they crushed Toronto FC at BMO Field. Two goals, three games, three, goal, three goals, one assist. Morgan has already proven Inter Miami cannot scout. They are a dumpster fire of the worst kind in pink. Uh, as for Toronto, they're old, they're slow, they're not going to make the playoffs. So Brad, Bob Bradley, you should just retire, man. So, Mike, I'm going to have to take your word for all that because it was blacked out locally here this game, which is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, I was upset. I had to watch. Uh, I forget what game was on, but it was not good. And uh, all I saw on Twitter is goals going off left and right for Red Bulls Toronto. And uh, that's nonsense. So MLS, figure that out. Give me the give me the games. Uh, Sporting Kansas City won. Houston Dynamo nothing. I don't. We don't need to talk about that. Uh, New England Revolution won. FC Dallas zero. Uh, I don't have much to add. Mike, go ahead. Why don't you tell me something? Overall boring. Very very boring. But on the same day, Bruce Arenas set the MLS mark with his 241st career regular season victory. They're saying that there was 14,544 fans in attendance. If you go on Twitter, look at the pictures. They're exaggerating. If there were 5,000 fans in attendance at Gillette Stadium, that was a lot. And I'm not even joking. Please Google it. It might have been 200 people. Um, it looked like a, a game at Tropicana Field with a raise. Uh, this is the team that supposedly averaged 18,000 fans last season. So I guess that the fans either were too cold to come out or they just don't care about soccer in New England. Because, again, this was a momentous occasion. Bruce Arena setting the record. Um, support your club go out and support your club I get that it's at a football stadium but you know what it could be worse it could be at a baseball stadium in Montreal yeah and it's cold in New England I mean maybe they hide the uh hide the tickets in like Patriot season ticket holder packages so that's how they report the attendance by uh by doing that but all right last game on the on the cap here uh Vancouver Whitecaps versus NYCFC uh, before I lament this game, Mike, tell me what you thought. Your team is thriving in the CONCACAF Champions League. Fantastic. You you won again. Uh, we're recording this on a Wednesday, Tuesday night. They beat Casiones. Uh, they beat them up. So congratulations because you're now 7-0 and um, to reach, uh, what is it, the semifinals. But um, it has absolutely zapped their energy to start the season. Tati Castellanos, Keaton Parks, Tiago, they were all substituted at the 64 minute and they have yet to score a single goal in MLS play. That is not good. Uh, they have one point, the reigning MLS champs, and I don't want to hear this. Uh, well, it's early in the season. You know what? All the games count. All the points are the same. So at the time when you really need those points in, let's say, August and September, you can look back to March and say, well, we only got one point out of our first two games. That's where it's going to fall. So you need to pick up the slack, guys, because all the games count the same. Great. And so, you know, my hot take in here is it's early in the season. And not, no, look, at, we see this all the time in Europe and Champions League is tough. It's tough when you're when you did good last year and you have to play all these games. Yes, they beat up on a poor Guatemalan side last night. Uh, I'm not officially worried yet. The panic meter is not out after two games, but they're playing it. They're, they're playing in Yankee Stadium. They're playing at home. They're welcoming Montreal, who, again, looked okay in two first half, collapsed in two second halves. They're not playing on concrete. It's going to be actual grass, I uh, I, re I can report, from Yankee Stadium. Uh, maybe, they, who knows, they're not playing baseball this year, so uh, maybe they just kept it dirt. But uh, 
I will be worried if they don't handily beat Montreal. And of course, uh, because I uh, didn't scroll down far enough on the rundown, I lied. We do have one more game, Real Salt Lake, Seattle Sounders. Mike, give me one more hot take for uh, from this weekend. The Seattle Bloats, they're at it again. They have now scored one goal or less in 10 of their last 11 games stretching to last season. I get it. They've missed six starters from last season also due to injury. Um, but the losses are racking up. The pressure is mounting on Brian Schmetzer. I get that he's a, you know, a legend. I get that he probably won't go anywhere. But uh, who knows if things change. They're like 10 of their last 11 they've lost. RSL, um, I put up some shade on them to start the season. But they actually look pretty decent for losing one of their, their main players from last year. Bobby Wood. Bobby Wood, former U.S. men's national team player, former Hamburg player in the Bundesliga, or Bundesliga 2, more like it. He was signed last year late towards the season. He came in and scored in the 46th minute, led the way. Seems to be back. He's healthy. He's hungry. Tim, I'm going out on a limb. He is going to be in the MLS MVP conversation this season. Bam! Oh, perfect. I love it. That's a great Tomas Calientes to uh, finish the segment off. Tomas Calientes. Moving on, Mike, I say, let's rank stuff. This is a segment we didn't do last week because, listen, what do we know after one week? Now there's two weeks. We know everything there is to know about uh, MLS now at this point. So let's rank our power rankings. We are going to give you the MLS Soccer Show top five teams in the MLS after two weeks. Uh, Mike, we're going to start with you. Let me hear your top five. Okay, mine are wildly different from the actual Major League Soccer power rankings. If you want to see those, go to MLS's website and check it out. Um, I don't know really how they rank things. I still think they pull things out of a hat. But anyway. Well, let me, wait, hold on. Let me say, I, I do believe what they did is base it on their initial power rankings, which oh. is just like the standings from last year. And so, you know, they do up or down, but I don't think they've adjusted yet. So those aren't going to be as spot on as ours are right now. Yeah, yeah, because obviously you cannot have a win and be in the top three. So I'm, I'm kind of confused. But anyway, I am going with the surprise of the season before the other team in New York, the good team in New York, the New York Red Bulls, led by my man Morgan, number one. Number two is the LA Galaxy, looking solid. Really, really like what they're doing. And if Chicharito gets his act together, they're going to they're gonna be very hard to beat. Number three, the other team in LA, uh, LAFC, also looking really good. Same thing can be said for Carlos Vela. So good in week one, uh, questionable in week two, has to show more consistency, but they're looking really good. Number four, the yellow submarine, Nashville SC. No, not Nashville FC. Get it right. They look really good, but you got to get some offense because defense will only win you so many games. And last, i I debated not even putting a number five, Tim. That's how much I didn't want to put this team because I don't believe they're fraudulent. Fraudulent Austin FC. That's what the F stands for. The Trees, the Verdi. They're 2-0. They got 10 goals. They look great. They're going to lose this week. They come back to reality. Tim, what is your power ranking for the top five? Gotcha. So we have a pretty similar power rankings, uh, minus one team. I can't put Austin in the top five without having played an actual MLS team yet. So uh, they're going to sit out uh, just on the on the outskirts here. But I'm going to go with number one, Nashville. I told you they have the most defined style. They're going to they're gonna peck you to death. They're going to sit back. They're going to play hard-nosed defense. And they did, you are, say, did you say peck you to death? Absolutely. Like a, little, like a little bird or a little chicken or something. Can we call them the Na- Nashville Hot Chickens? Oh, yeah. I love that. Absolutely. Nashville Hot Chickens. Going to peck you to death with defense and then converting on chances. They're number one. LA Galaxy, number two. Douglas Costa is going to play better. Chicharito is going to play better. And uh, Efrain Alvarez, of course, is now the greatest uh, prospect in the world of soccer. Like what they're doing. New England Revolution, you didn't have. But they've won two games. They're looking good. They got Bruce Arenas. They're not fun to watch at all. Uh, Josie Altidore isn't rediscovering his form. <laughs> they're, 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 
but they're, they're winning coming. games. Yeah, that's true. But they're winning games and they're going to continue to win games because they have a solid veteran squad and that's that's going to that's going to go a long way in this year. Number 4 LAFC for me. Uh Vela is looking really good. He is going to him and Kellen Acosta had some moments in that game and they're going to really I think their chemistry is going to develop and they're going to be something really special. Uh and of course Mamadou Fall is uh the greatest defending prospect in the world currently. And then finally, just the avalanche of goals from the New York Red Bulls. You can't overlook that. So they are number 5 on my list. Now, those are our power rankings. Uh, hit us up on social media. Let, let us know what you think about those fives. Agree, disagree. Whose list do you like better? They're, they're relatively similar, but I think after two games, that's what we're looking at. Now, we've shared our hot takes. We also have a producer who is becoming a bigger soccer fan every day. We have Andrew Kula who wants to share his hot take in a segment we like to call kicking and screaming because we're dragging him into soccer fandom, kicking and screaming. And of course, the quote we always share from Ted Lasso is you could fill two internets with what Andrew doesn't know about football. He looks like Rodan sculpture in cleats. Boots. Hmm? They call cleats boots. I thought you said that the trunk of a car was a boot. Also a boot. Hold on now. If I were to get fired from a job where I'm putting cleats in the trunk of my car. You got the boot for putting boots in the boot. <laughs> I love that. What's up, chaps? How are you? Listen, there are more so questions um, because I don't know Jack about what we're talking about still. So here, here's here's my hot take slash question. What the heck is this point system? Because uh, I, I have no idea how, how it's scored. Obviously, a win is good, but you know, do you get more points for... for what what not? There you go. Win is good. That's half the battle right there. That's uh, it's like most sports that way. But now the point system can be a little confusing. It is three points for a win, one point for a draw, zero points for losses, and your win loss record kind of doesn't really matter from a percentage perspective. All that matters is points at the end of the year. That's how they rank the tables. So the teams with the most points are ahead uh, in the standings of the other teams. So. Unlike most uh, American sports and what some people have a hard time embracing soccer around is that a draw can both be as exciting as in, and important to some clubs as a win. If you can steal that point, if you're a team that's an underdog and, and can find a point in the, in a matchup, it can be big. And those, those draw points add up over time and really help you in the standings. Yeah, and you can bet on draws. So if you don't yes. know who you want, bet on a draw because you got 50-50 chance. I mean, it's pretty good. All right. Well, here's one more question for you guys. What the heck is a MVR or a VCR or whatever the hell you guys are talking about? Mike, I'll let you take this since you're so happy with it right now. Thank you. Yeah, it, it's, a, it's, it's the worst thing in the world. It's video assistant referee. It's basically a man or women or people that sit in a booth somewhere in New York. And when there's a questionable call or now isn't it any goal? So anytime there's a goal, they go back to the VAR and they make sure that it's a goal. It's a goal. Like in the NFL, they, they review every time a ball supposedly passes the goal line. This is literally the same thing um but it's also going much further it's now handballs offsides and every league no matter the country swaziland new zealand the united states of america every time there's a close play we're going to var because everybody's afraid to make a mistake and it's just taking the human element out of the game so it really needs to it needs to be better defined or just do away with it because it's it's just slowing the game down immensely and we're getting the bigger percentage of the calls wrong 
Um, I don't know if it's referees not wanting to look bad or if they're going to get reprimanded or fined or whatever it is, but it's just, it's taking the fun out of the game. Everything should be, again, referees are human. They make human errors, but now we're, we're second guessing uh, calls that were right on the field. So it really needs to be fixed. Um, I, I'd rather put a VCR on the field than some of these VAR people. And again, these refs are, are just so much to blame as well as the VAR system as well. And that goes back to PRO. It's the professional referees organization. Some of them are, uh, some of the refs in the MLS are FIFA sanctioned. Some are just pro um, pro. You're going to have to train a lot of your people a little bit better because um, there's some questionable calls that you guys are making. Not saying that FIFA refs are perfect because they're not, but um, you're going to see a lot of pro errors on the field that maybe some other people might not make. So um, VAR got to go. You're horrible. Awesome. That's I don't have anything to add. Mike, uh, Mike pretty much summed it all up there. Andrew, thank you very much for the kicking and screaming segment. We appreciate that. And, uh, always look forward to your hot takes here or hot questions as it were. Of course. See you guys. All right, Mike, with our final six minutes here, let's, uh, let's quickly go through our potent, our potent quotables. And the categories are potent potables. Our quotes of the week. Let's hear. Uh, let's hear what you heard uh, out of the MLS this weekend. Union uh, Union coach Jim Curtin after the Montreal match. Credit to our boys for sticking to things. I thought there was probably a 15 minute period there in the second half where we really looked like us, which made me happy. That's fine. Now he continues. Obviously, we got two goals during that period. Then from there, seemed to have a good control of the game, and in typical MLS fashion, some chaos ensued. Uh, I mean, yeah, he's not wrong. It's not necessarily, you know, the, the line that you want to slap on a t-shirt and sell to people. MLS, where chaos ensues. It's not roller derby, people. Um, my other one, which I alluded to earlier in the show, is from LAFC manager Steve Terundolo on why Carlos Vela was taken off at halftime. This is a very curious, curious quote, so follow me here. Um, he says, quote, Carlos, we took up, we took up, I think he meant off, at halftime, just precautionary. We're still assessing exactly what it is, but it doesn't seem severe. Here we go. Here we go. Carlos always feels something. Like I said, just precautionary. I don't think it's anything serious, but our doctors are still assessing. Why would you say Carlos always feels something? Like he feels emotions, he feels hunger, or he feels pain? Because anyway, if if you're talking about me like that, I'm going to come at you in the locker room and I'm going to say, Hey, bro, why you got to throw me under the bus? That's kind of curious, but... Uh, maybe Steve Chirondolo will, will further uh, allude to what he was talking about. Tim, what do you got? I have uh, this quote. I'm done. Thank you to all the clubs that gave me the opportunity to represent the badge. Thank you to all my teammates, coaches, fan bases for your support, ups and downs. But most of all, thank you to my friends and family, especially my wife, Leanne. I couldn't have done it without you. On to the next chapter. That is from Instagram, uh, Bradley Wright Phillips, an all-time MLS great, calling it a career at 36 years old. He is uh, a Man City product, just like his brother, Sean Wright Phillips. They played together for uh, two years, I believe, at, uh, at for the New York Red Bulls. Uh, Bradley also played for LAFC, Columbus Crew. Two-time Golden Boot winner, two-time MLS Best 11, two-time All-Star, uh, Comeback Player of the Year in 20, sixth on the all-time MLS goal list with 117 goals. Uh, Bradley Wright Phillips, we salute you. Yeah, one of, one of the best to ever do in the MLS. So uh, enjoy your retirement. Well-deserved. Our final segment, betting on football because it's fun. Last week, 
I was four and two. I went out on a limb more than Tim, even though he was three and one. So technically, I am the winner moving forward. I will get the boot, the golden boot at the end of the season because I I take more chances than Tim. So I am a high-powered offense. Tim likes to park the bus like Nashville. Shame on you. Shame on you. Okay, I didn't win my parlay because I, I just got greedy. But... Okay, that's 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 neither here nor there. Anyway, let's get to the games of the week. I am taking Columbus laying half a goal to TFC. Not really sure why, but I feel okay about this because I think TFC is headed down the tubes. My pick of the week, take LAFC laying half a goal, negative 114 against those inter-Miami Flamingos. Take, 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 take. Um, big one here. This is probably going to get me an L, but I'm going with it anyway. Take Orlando City laying a goal and a half to Stinkinati. Getting plus 126. I really feel that this is the week Pato and company, like the first week, come out and just blow the doors off of Cincinnati. Also, take Tim's Nashville. Uh, getting, 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 getting half a goal to Dallas. Dallas is, is not very good. And then lastly, take Portland laying half a goal to Austin because Austin, this is the week that you show your true colors. And it's puke green. Um, $25 parlay, according to the site that I use, will win you $424. Not bad. Tim, what is your loser parlay? I mean, what is your parlay? Well, loser, you you have written loser. I'm just reading what you wrote. I have I have three parlays. That doesn't mean these parlays are a loser. This means my first I have three different parlays. The first one is the loser teams. For as long as the odds will support it, I am betting against the losing team. So that's LAFC versus Inter-Miami, Orlando City versus Cincinnati, and Atlanta United versus Charlotte. I'm taking the three favorites, and when you combine those in a parlay, it's plus 335. Uh, Then I have a down south parlay. I like Austin FC, plus 330 against Portland. I think they've uh, got a lot of confidence from those 10 goals in two games. They're going to take it to Portland. And, of course, my Nashville Hot Chickens are plus 185 versus Dallas. So uh, parlay those two, and 10 bucks will win you uh, $112 at uh, plus 1125. And then my hodgepodge parlay, I don't know why. These games just sounded good to me. LA Galaxy plus 280 against the Seattle Sounders. LA Galaxy, as we said, are on the come up. And then DC United, Chicago Fire are both trash. I, I don't know. I don't know what to do with either of these teams. So my guess is they're going to draw. That's plus 250 on the draw. Combine those two games, and it's plus 1230. 10 bucks will win you 132. Mike, that's all the time we have for this week's episode. Quickly give us the social media places people can follow us. At us, ML Soccer Show on Twitter, Facebook, not LinkedIn. Twitter, fa- Facebook, Instagram. We got some fantastic graphics. We got a lot of interactive content. You can also go on YouTube. You can watch the show there. It's the same thing. ML- MLS watch there. It's MLS Soccer Show all spelled out. You can watch the show. You can listen to us on your favorite podcast network. We recommend Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Type in MLS Soccer Show. We like soccer so much, we say it twice in the title. So that is it for week two recap. We'll be back next week. Week three, it's coming hot. MLS season is a fantastic go. He's Tim Crean. I'm Mike Calandrillo. As always, we appreciate you. Watch MLS this weekend, and we'll be back next week to talk about it and have some fun. Thanks again, guys.